Legend of Zelda will date for eight months, two weeks, six days, and one hour. This television program is the comprehensive account of their relationship. From A to Z. Hello and welcome to Chats, the television podcast, season 13, part 4, A to Chat Z. This is the fourth series in our season on shows that didn't air 13 or more than 13 episodes before getting canceled, which we've been calling 13 Under 13. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the roadie for ZZ Top who thinks that it's remotely normal to sit in a sports arena during a marathon and try to pick up girls who are running. Hold on, no, that's not who I'm joined by, guys. I'm actually joined by the man who comes for the podcast and stays for the crab cakes. It's Magellan. Mm, yeah. It, it's, uh, it comes <laughs> <off> of, uh, <clears throat> oh, you're going both. What a fun fusion, <sighs> a hybrid. Uh, so now that I've saw this crab cake, I have no attraction to you whatsoever. Now I'm doing neither. Now I'm just going up and down the stairs for fun. <laughs> I'm that guy was weird, right? I know he said like ZZ Top's going to be here and I'm their roadie, but like, why are you sitting in the stands, dude? Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about it when we talk about the episode. It's it's all weird. This show's weird. It's all weird. This podcast is weird. How are you, Magellan? Um, I'm okay. I'm feeling weird, <laughs> to be honest. It's been a it's been an off week or so for me, but I'm excited to be here recording chats and having fun and talking with my friend and oh. you know doing doing everything that we do from A to Z, huh? <laughs> Alan to Zagellan. That's right. Do we have this realization on the episode that the show goes A to M because it was only 13 episodes? Yes, yes, it did. Okay. You you, yeah, you brought it up last week, I think. Okay. Phew. Phew. Uh, what about you? How are you doing? I got a sticker. I bought, so a friend of mine, um, complicated how we're friends, but a friend of mine basically opened up an Etsy shop recently where he sells these little stickers uh, that are like different Pokemon, but the ditto version of them. So it's like with the little beady eyes. They're really cute, and I can link you them if you want. And he has one in sure. the pack, which is Snorlax, but he doesn't have the ditto eyes. Instead, it's like a word bubble coming out of his mouth that just says, sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, man. I'm like, I was going to uh, be like, maybe you should sell this, and then I realized that I did buy it from him. <laughs> wow. What narrow casting to me and you. Right? I think that yeah. there are people out there who want Snorlax no, saying she's yeah. that. I think I'd like to believe that, that that's a me thing, but you're right. It's probably very, very popular. I think I'd like to believe. She's like Mulder looking ass. Mulder? Wait, is he the one who would like to believe? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, then you're Mulder. You're being Mulder right now. I wish I was I've a sent... Mulder looking ass. Whew. You got Handsome the guy. personality. I've sent you the sticker, by the way. If you want to see it. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, you do. Oh, that's so nice. Sheesh. Wow. Yeah, right? What a great sticker. God, I want that. I can, again, I can link you to it. You can have it. Yeah, link me. Link me to it. Thank you. Linky. Link Let's you. talk about this show that we're here to talk about. Huh? Must we? We, For the listeners, like, Al and I both expressed to each other that we have, like, a bit of a soft out tonight uh, because yeah. we have other things we need to do after this. And then both of us tacitly agreed to spend about 40 minutes <laughs> not starting the episode. And, and like, here we are continuing to do it. 
at least now it's on episode. So this is productive conversation. Yeah, this is content now. So that's exactly. something. It's just, well, first of all, we famously always start late. Like we get on the call. True, 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 true. This is to be our, to see, yeah. this is our friend time. But also, I, I don't, I'm so, I don't want to watch anymore. A to Z. This week on A to Chat Z, we watched A to Z episodes 7, 8, and 9. G is for Geronimo. H is for Hostile Takeover. I is for Ill Communication, which, by the way, as a title, looks absolutely garbage on most word processors. Because ill, capital I, lowercase ll, just, it looks like the number, the Roman numeral three. G's for Dromino was written by Will McCormick, Ben Queen, and, huh? Rashida Jones? It was directed by Phil Trail and aired November 13th, 2014. Magellan, what happened in G is for Dromino. In this episode, when Andrew comes across an old singing demo tape of Zelda's, she confesses that she struggles with her big what-if in her life, believing deep down that she missed out on an opportunity to become a singer. In an attempt to bolster her confidence, Andrew helps her go after her missed dreams. Meanwhile, Steffi gives Stu a psychic reading, and Big Bird shares a new side of herself with everyone. Is this the one where Big Bird is nice? Yeah. (sighs) not a particularly great episode in my honest opinion Uh oh yeah i mean i think at this point like the quality of the show has plateaued um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a bummer i i definitely still have some affection for it and i can understand why this show kind of like stuck with me uh after i watched it in 2014 because uh, you know, it it's charming. It's very earnest. And I think there are moments where it's like, okay, that was funny. Or like that there's an idea there that I that I like. I think it's like in some ways a perfect 13 under 13 candidate for that reason, because it represents just how many TV shows out there came to the table with like, you know, something, but not everything that they needed. But also it's like that classic 13 under 13 story of, you know, you want to find the thing that the networks got wrong. Uh, yeah. And I just don't know how many of those there are out there that people haven't already figured out, you know? Yeah. Um, like, you know, your freaks and geeks or stuff like that. People know about those. And even then, like you watch freaks and geeks and you're like, okay, there could have been more, but this feels like a good amount. So, yeah, I, I think know. with A to Z, I'm like, first of all, you guys wrote yourselves a hard out right away. I'm on network and I'm saying, why would I, why would I sell this? Because yeah. it's it's you know it's two seasons of tell or two um like blocks of television programming and B right. like I just don't I feel like from the script you can tell like these characters are not super likable all the time. Not that they mm-hmm. have to be, but, like, Andrew and Zelda get the, like, this is continuing to be true, like, last week and the week before that. Andrew and Zelda get the nuanced romance stories. Uh, Stu and Stephanie get to be, like, immature children masquerading as adults. Uh, uh-huh. And then Big Bird gets to be kind of, Big Bird and Howard get to be funny for about maybe five minutes of the total plot runtime. Uh, that is the formula for every single episode. And it doesn't feel like, you know, a sitcom where, like, that routine is satisfying, I just want to yeah. see the show break out of that routine, and it's never going to. Um, so that's why right. I'm already finding myself burnt, myself burnt out on it, because like it's just stuck in its a, a self-made rut. 
Yeah, because I do think that the the seed of this episode is interesting, um, which is this idea of like, you know, when you're in a relationship, you end up surfacing all this like kind of old, these old relics of your past or old versions of yourself. And in the process of doing that, you you might come across like something that you'd forgotten about that your partner is like, oh my God, you you did this? Like, that's so cool. Why don't you do that anymore? And you have to reckon with that. And I think that this is like, you know, that to me that's compelling and there's a story there that's worth telling. And uh, when you're in this format where you only, like you said, Andrew and Zelda only really have like eight minutes to tell that story, you just kind of like shrink it down to a version that's not super satisfying because it's like, oh, here's the issue, and uh, they figured it out. Done. Anyway. Yeah. Done. As opposed to like you're saying a show that breaks free from that and studies that more closely, spends more time with that story, even if it was still a 23-minute episode, but it's just about that, suddenly you could do a lot more with that, I think. Um, And this is just kind of, the show really lives, I think, in this uncomfortable point with television storytelling where like, you know, all of its DNA is three camera sitcoms and like all of its storytelling DNA and all of its visual DNA is like, glitzy 2010s like drama movie kind of thing exactly um so there's a lot of dissonance there anyway yeah what are some quick hits or some things that you want to talk about this episode because i have no interest this week in doing plot by plot breakdowns i want to talk about itunes oh oh fucking part where dinesh is like the pandora joke which was funnier when I briefly said it in my head before Dinesh went on to say it for 60 straight <laughs> seconds. Uh-huh. And I'm like, do you guys realize that you have 21 minutes? Like, this is the week where I really realized how short an episode of a sitcom is. Like, yeah. 21 minutes. And you gave a whole minute to that of that to the actor who plays Dinesh to explain the difference between Pandora as a streaming service, iTunes as a, like, remote accessing your, like, local file service. And I was uh-huh. like, Why? Why? All you had to say was, ha, huh, Pandora like the music service and not explain it. God. <laughs> so Andrew and Zelda uh, decide to make a big relationship movement, which is that they use their Apple branded products, Macs, together, and they share their iTunes libraries. Is this a thing couples did? I don't think so. It seems kind of weird if you ask me. <laughs> really weird. I, I don't know. I, is it that weird? Like, if you, I think it's hard for us to say because. What's funny to me about some of the tech stuff across these episodes is like, I feel like in 2014, iTunes felt old, right? Yeah. Like it didn't feel like the hip thing, which makes sense for these characters who in 2014 are in their like late 20s or whatever. And so to them, they're like kind of, uh, you know, in that ecosystem. Um, And I feel like, if we were in that ecosystem and there was a button that said share your library, which I don't, did it work like this? I don't uh-huh. know if it worked like this. I feel like I would with my partner, like click the share the library button. I have a blend on Spotify with That's you. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. 
is this is what yeah. you would do now is you would make a Spotify blend. They they exactly have this. Except a blend yeah. is like a playlist that's made combining your tastes, not literally we share a library. Which sure. It's a weird it's sort of like um we watched that nineties show recently and we were talking about uh-huh. in our should you watch episode about like uh-huh. the the concept of a desktop and how like a virtual desktop to them meant like a desktop that's on a computer. Uh-huh. Right. And for this, it's like a library, like sharing a library. If you're in real yeah. life and you're moving in together, makes sense. Like we've got to put our books together. Oh, what books do you right. like? How do you organize your library? That's actually like, if that's like the, the sort of thing that they're translating to the digital age, I totally get why this is a big deal. Right. It's like, this would be like, if this was in like a nineties show, it would be like your CD collection. And you're like sitting yeah. on the floor surrounded by CDs Deciding like, well, we only have so much space on the shelf. Which ones do we keep? Oh, don't make me get rid of my Celine Dion or whatever mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the version of Katy Perry in the nineties would be. Not Celine K- Dion, but Kate you know Hudson. I mean. Yes, Kate Hudson, but not that Kate Hudson. The other one. So uh, I had n- I had no idea. I-, I failed as a bisexual to not know that Katy Perry's real name is Kate Hudson. We're all supposed to know that. It's one of our like. It's on the it's on the test. <laughs> she had to change it because of Kate Hudson. Is that the? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, for this episode, especially in this plot line and in most of the stew stuff, I found myself not writing down lines that made me laugh, but lines that I was just like, "Why is this terrible? Why do they write this? Is a bad line." Um, <laughs> it's disappointing. Uh, just uh. like Andrew's music taste is disappointing because, in some ways, I feel called out. Right? He uh, he yeah. makes a comment that he's a Carly Rae Jepsen fan, but the only point of reference is "Call Me Maybe," and yeah. I'm like. Poppy, Little did you they know. Exactly. She will go on to make such better albums. Not that that album is yeah. bad. It's still iconic. But, like, she's got a long tail is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Um, And also he likes, yeah, uh, Katy Perry and talks about how his cover of Roar didn't get submitted. It's a funny joke, by the way, when um he signs up Zelda for, like, the, you know, the, the rehearsal. And then he puts, he says, I sent my own thing in and they didn't even look at it. And she's like, what did you want to happen? He's like, I don't know. Maybe they would have given me like a job or something. And she's like, no, not what? Because <laughs> he makes this wild play here. <laughs> that line is funny, but he makes this wild play that like, okay, uh, you know, it accidentally slipped, slipped that your song, you made a song when you were 16. And oh, people at your office and my office like it because it somehow made it across the whole network. Some guy downloaded it. He shared it to everyone. They shared it to everyone. It's basically like small scale viral. And people actually like it sincerely. And instead of it being like a normal how this would go, a normal story about how this would go, which is Zelda starts to doubt like Andrew's like technical competence and also trusting him because she told him not to share it. And he still like, you know, flubbed and he does try to fix it. It was an accidental share, but like it's played for comedy. What's played seriously is Zelda going, oh, God, did I actually have a successful career in music that I threw away? Which is like not, I don't think that's where this plot makes sense. I think that's where huh. it kind of deviates from reality in a way. I I had the opposite like feeling about that, I think. Well, I, I think, like I um, kind of I kind of liked that it went in an unusual direction. I love that it went in an unusual direction. I just wish that it may I like empathize with it, it more. It wasn't because- super grounded. That's more what I mean. I do, but I definitely yeah. like that it wasn't just like, oh, why don't like, you? Why did you do this? I'm mad at you, uh, because I do think that like people of their age uh, doubt their career paths. I've done that. We've all done that and been like, oh mm-hmm. God, could mm-hmm. I have been someone else before I like dig roots into this career? 
So I think that part's like actually good. That's the one nugget of good in this episode to me is Zelda yeah. being like, what else could I have been? But of course, Andrew sees that opportunity and decides that he will take control and sign her up for music school to take night classes and sign her up for a demo or whatever and bring her to it and to not yeah. tell her until it's her time to go. And it's like, that is a, that is a kind of a sketchy thing to do as somebody's boyfriend, in my opinion. Right. Because right. it just takes away all of it. It's like, you don't, you're no, you were never going to say yes to this. So I just did it for you. But like, yeah, weird how the next episode is about almost the opposite happening. As if these characters don't have any <laughs> narrative consistency. Super interesting. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think where I sort of landed on it was I like, like you were saying, that the plot didn't turn into like, what the hell? Why did you share this? You told me not to. Oh, I'm so sorry, because there's not much that's novel Nothing about there. that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead it went to like, yeah, yeah, I don't care about this. Now I'm, it's freaking me out that people liked it. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, okay. I'm interested. Yep. But then it turned into... Yeah, Andrew's like, well, luckily I was able to find you an audition right now, so let's go. And don't worry, no future episode will ever speak of this. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's kind of how it felt. I mean, you know, there might be some mention of it in a, cu- a couple episodes or something. Who knows? But I highly doubt. Uh, I mean, it's like remember I, when Leto was good at at, at bar tricks in Sense8? I think Chris Emiliotti is just a decent singer and they wanted a scene of her singing and they were like, yeah, we could, we could just do a normal karaoke scene or we could do a narratively resonant karaoke scene. Right. But, yeah, uh, but it's not even that narrowly narratively resonant because like, I don't know. I feel like it would have worked better for me if she sort of went through with the decision of like, ah, I'm content with my life. Like I don't, I don't actually want this anymore. I wanted it for a time and maybe I'm mourning the fact that I didn't go for it, but like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to live out my dreams from when I was however many years old, but I am going to sing those dreams out in karaoke, which is like sort of what the episode was, yeah. but like not, I don't know. Both this episode and the next one have like one sentence at the end where I'm like, oh, you do know what was good about this plot. You just didn't do it for the whole episode, and then you just had somebody say it. Because in this case, it's Zelda being like, you know, I could keep thinking about what, what could have been, what what else I could have been, but I don't really want to know what fate had for me because the world I live in now has Andrew, it has my friends, it has my work, and I appreciate the present and the world that we live in, the choices that I made because I got the life that yeah. I have. I thought that was like, there's the meat of the episode, of their plot at least. Yeah, because um, it's heartfelt and also leads to a lot of like good comedy on the way there about like, you know, what does the future exist for Zelda where she's a singer? We play with that. Yeah, I think that like a kind of thing that's tough for this show is it just can't quite let go of its core optimism, right? Like that's yeah. the issue with their relationship. And the way that it's set up in the first episode is the show's like, oh, they ran into each other. Oh, Andrew thinks that they had this like sighting from afar, this love at first sight moment years ago. And Zelda's like, no, we didn't. And the episode's like, but they did. They did. It's real. Like, you can have that destiny moment. And then you're kind of like, why? Like, why are you going somewhere 
interesting and subverting that and then immediately going back to this like the destiny thing and that's kind of how i felt in this episode is zelda's like you know look life kind of unfolds in ways that you don't expect and you can have a dream and then do other stuff and then kind of like return to these interests and incorporate them in your life in a different way Anyway, like, I really want to see how I did. <laughs> like, I really mm-hmm. hope I achieved my dream. And I'm going to sing sing out my dream. And it's like, n- no, wh- just let her sort of, like, accept that that's not her path. And that's yeah. kind of Move good. <laughs> I don't know. So, it's good that she shows that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the second episode has one of my, like, worst examples of, like, the show doesn't acknowledge that things have happened already. It feels like every episode, these people just reset again yeah. in that like old sitcom way. But if you're mm-hmm. gonna like to- like keep character consistency in the way that the show wants to in its its like genre, then do it and don't have characters right. be like, actually, this is how I feel. No, because it's about a relationship progressing, and if the characters don't grow and yeah. progress, then I have no belief or or like interest in seeing these people we literally are counting down their relationship every week and right. yet characters reset back to week one right like it feels nothing. pretty static yeah there is there is a kind of uh tension there and it, it makes me think about love again the netflix show where... oh i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um where if this was a show like love if this was like a streaming if this was a netflix show i guess yeah. is just a way to think about it where Netflix shows are almost over-incentivized to have serialized narratives because it's like the breadcrumb of, okay, next episode. Yeah. Um, So there's obviously a sweet spot in the middle of the two. But if this was a show like that, next episode we would see Zelda taking these music classes, right? And I kind of, I think I would like this episode more if I knew that that was what was going to happen, like we were going to then go there and explore, okay, how does she feel about this? Like, who are the people she meets there? How does it affect her relationship with Andrew? Like, does he start to regret pushing her into this thing because she like really goes for it and their relationship kind of suffers as a result or, you Mm -hmm. know, like that gets kind of interesting to me and there's just not any runway in the show to explore that because it's an NBC sitcom and they're not going to do that. Um, so, yeah. and yeah. we have two other, we have like, sorry, we have like two other plots that also just, again, occupy time. Um, yeah. Getting in the way of more Andrew and Zelda, like being a couple, not that I think that's bad. I love a good A, B and C plot. I think that one of these sucks and one of them is fantastic. Which one do you think is which? Ooh, I love a good chats guessing game. So to remind people, the two are, oh, I know. <laughs> you yeah, think yeah. one of them sucks and one of them's good? Yes. Well, the Steffi Stew plot sucks, right? Yeah. And the Big Bird plot is good? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, con- that's consistently going to be my opinion. Let's talk yeah. about the Steffi Stew stuff because it's brief. It's so weird. Okay, this is the thing that bugged me about this episode the most is they remind us at the beginning of Steffi and Stu's dynamic. And this is something that's (laughs) 
kind of suffers from the same thing you're talking about of like we keep solving their interpersonal problem and then like resetting it the next episode yeah. or deciding that it doesn't exist does it exist and it feels very inconsistent um and what they're saying at the beginning of this one is actually Stu and Steffi have an issue. Steffi's not over the fact that, nor should she be, that Stu deceived her into having sex with him with like an elaborate lie about being a, a blues mu- musician or whatever yeah, that yeah. was. Jazz. Um, and she's rightfully upset about that. And the show like really wants us to think this is funny and it's awful. Like this is not okay that Stu conducted this elaborate ruse and is like faking scatting in his sleep. I'm laughing at that. Like, is that what you want me to do is think that's silly. Mm-hmm. I don't, that bothers me. I'm not a fan of, of that. And then they're like, well, you know, we have to reset their relationship. We have to solve this. We have to give Steffi something that she can like trick Stu with. And so we decide she pretends that she's psychic and uses random bits of information that she's gathered to convince Stu that she is like clairvoyant or something. Yeah. And I think it, yeah, it, it, the part that, that bothered me the most was at the end when he figures out like, Oh, you were lying to me. And then Steffi is like, we can be friends now. We can talk to each other because now we've both completely lied to each other and betrayed each other's trust. And it's like, what? Like, she's saying, like, tabula rasa, <laughs> like, we cleared the board? What? If I did that to my friend and they responded by doing it back to me, I would be like, cool, we're never talking again. Really easy. Like, right, why this is, is that? just done. Yeah. Why is the solution like, okay, now we can finally be a couple or be friends or whatever this is? Uh, yeah. It's just, and the whole, like, teasing Stu for his childhood and him snoring the name Geronimo, the name of his childhood motorcycle. Why does he have a childhood motorcycle, by the way? Just so bizarre. Every time we see a Stu flashback, yeah, I'm like, why is a it, different also, dimension. Why is it called Geronimo like that? It's like this weird, like, racist thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was weird. Mm-hmm. I think they're going for uh, uh, <laughs> who's the guy who jumps over things in his motorcycle? Evil Knievel? Yeah, good job. Yeah, I think maybe like he's Geronimo, like you go over a big cliff, but also take a second and Google. Yeah, but wasn't the motorcycle like the brand was associated with like the Native American, like indigenous people or something? Yeah, well, that's what the name is. Yes. Yeah, it's it's weird. Weird, weird, weird. I have I have not not much to say about this plot except um first of all i think it's annoying that Stu is like there's no way she's a competent psychic i can't accept that Steffi would ever know what she's doing she has to be lying like as if believing mm-hmm. her is like unconscionable uh uh-huh. i think that just that just sucks and makes me dislike him uh the part that made me laugh is when they write Stu as like a fully unhinged weirdo because she yeah. tells him that there's a redhead or a freckled girl in your life that's important and he goes to this girl that he had a crush on and like as a child and he goes, oh, she's married and has three kids. I'm outside of her house. I'm not attracted to her, but should I break up the marriage anyway? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah. All right. See, when you write him like that, like so far out of the realm of like a person, there's there's actually a little bit of comedy to be had there. But yeah. one, they don't really give that to Steffi. She's just like reacting to him. And two, 
That's yeah. they don't write him like that consistently. He's not like Kramer, where you're like, oh my god, what is he up to now? It's like, yeah, stupid. yeah. He floats in and out of being a normal person, and that's why this doesn't always work. But when yeah, funny, the Stu character, they really don't have a consistent stance on him, and that's an issue. You know, I think Henry Zabrowski is like doing what he can with the material. Yes. You might be asking, how could I pull his name so easily? It turns you out. Did last week. Well, it, but, but I have a story. Uh, okay, it turns out it. that I was at the People's Improv Theater over the weekend in New York City. Wait. Wait. Where I've taken I've taken classes and they have a sign in their lobby of notable oh. alumni and it's a sign that I've looked at very many times and would you wouldn't you know it Henry Zabrowski's right up there on the on the sign of notable alums of the People's Improv Theater. Oh my. And I was John. like I'm sorry. Pitt alum and Chats alum Henry Zabrowski, thank you please. I would love to hear him do improv. I'm sure he's like fine at it. He looks like someone who does improv. I think he probably improvises like quite a bit on this show. And it feels like the funniest moments are the moments that he's that he's doing that. Yeah, I agree. Like those are the times when when I like Stu is when there's like you're saying kind of a bizarreness to him that feels like a little bit too loose. Um, Yeah. Like, we should and, muddle more things. That's, like, the funniest two line to me still. Yeah. And that was clearly, that definitely was not written. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have been, but, like, it just has the energy of, like, you came up with that on set because you're, like, kind yeah. of a fun, funny guy. Yeah. So, like, that's when I like Stu is, yeah, when he's, like, a little more cartoonish. But they, it feel he feels so, like, post-Barney Stinson in a way that doesn't yeah. make sense to me at all. I don't, over I don't get over. what we're going for there. And it makes me sad that, like, I was thinking about this walking home uh, from the train. There are oh. so many sitcom guys who, like, their friend is, like, shitty friend guy who yeah. is, like, the object of, boy, this guy sucks. And I would love to see more Turk and JD style, like real friendships, like people who like each other for good reason, you know, mm-hmm. not somebody who's like dragged along this man child for decades. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, why are you still friends? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. You know? That's also fleshed out in the second episode where I'm like, why it are is, you guys still friends? Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk about the third and best plot of the episode. Um, uh-huh. And I don't have too much to say about it other than I love this. So we learned <laughs> that well, Lydia goes out to drinks with everybody else. Her and Howard go out to drinks. And uh, she gets a little sauced because she's like not in the mood to hang out with people. And uh, the next day, everybody's really nice to her at the office. And she's like, what's going on? And Howard's like, oh, you don't remember? You were like incredibly friendly. And at first, she's like, oh, it's because I'm drunk. And they have this whole moment where she attempts to drink alcohol at the office, which, huh? But it's actually not like he, Howard is basically revealing to her that she is inherently a nice person and she is performing this cruelty, this cruel character. Uh, There's a very funny moment where she throws something at him and he pretends that it really hurts. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And he's like, exactly. You're a nice person. And she's not having it. And I love this. I love Christina Kirk being like, my whole character is centered around being a dick. I have to be an, a, a bad person. What are you saying? I'm nice. And just Howard's like smugness at being like, you know, you've always been good and you're good at the center of it is like, 
if this was a dramatic show, I would love this plotline even more. But in the the realm of a like sitcom, I really did want more of it because it was really funny to me. Yeah, I I liked it. I liked how it flipped the status relationship between Howard and Lydia. Uh, yeah. I think that we were due for that. And it sort of gave it gave him a power in like being so head over heels for her that he was uh-huh. able to see something in her that that she couldn't. Uh so I I like that a lot. Andrew and Zelda could never. <laughs> uh, Did you well, have Howard um, and Lydia are a forever love, as we know. So. Bingo. Oh, my God. Them in the third episode. Uh, do you have any straight notes on this one? Yeah, I got a few. So, uh, yeah, I just liked, I don't know. I liked the way that they did. Or I, I continue to find it interesting the way that they show us computer programs and apps and stuff like we need Mm -hmm. to actually show you itunes and show you the button that andrew's clicking look it's real like there's something about that commitment to verisimilitude that i was like all right i mean the plot that you're building around it is is kind of not grounded but you really wanted me to see the computer clicks that are happening in in universe in fiction and you didn't mock up a fake app to do it so like yeah that's really itunes i, I mean that's 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 yeah. product placement but also it's like it is it is product that works. placement yeah um i appreciate that the zelda song that she sings is like not just like one of the most famous songs carol king songs it's like a deeper cut off of tapestry yeah. mm-hmm. and uh i like that and that song home again is is a really pleasant one um the fucking like the lawyer job stuff in this episode is so silly. Zelda talking about a <laughs> there's a fracking company that got away on a technicality that ruined seven years of hard work. It's like, are you faking it? Are you really a lawyer? What is this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. All the I lawyer stuff. The fracking Nobody stuff and lawyer. No, no, absolutely not. I want to um, see Legal Eagle watch this show. <gasps> He will not. He's busy. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get him on and ask him. Um, just like for a minute of real talk, the like depiction of like lawyers trying to handle a crisis like fracking and how we've like technically put fracking behind us as a society. Like we don't talk about it, even though it's still happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's just because it's in the news. But this whole Ohio train derailment tragedy that happened mm. uh, this week is like. A sort of similar example of like the news and the way people are reporting on it are like, it's really bad. Oops, no one's going to be held accountable for it. Let's move right on. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like like fracking, this Ohio trail derailment is going to affect communities for decades, not for a little while until we stop talking about it, but for a very long time. And I think as humans, sometimes like we're not able to or as like people who produce media and news, we don't have the ability to reckon with that large scale of tragedy if it's mm. not like literal deaths you know mm. and even mm. then it's mm. like we still minimize it but that's just my little soapbox yeah and it just felt weird <laughs> for the episode to for her to be like oh this fracking case oh my gosh and then for andrew to be like yeah 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 shut the fuck about about that like what's your itunes situation yeah like, come on what are we doing that's silly um oh my god 
Howard brought up pokes on Facebook. You remember pokes? <clears throat> Speaking of dated things, yeah, yeah. Do they still have Can... pokes? Could I poke you right now? Can you still poke on Facebook? The poke page still exists. Enter poke in the search box of the site. All right. It's a BuzzFeed article go. from uh, 2022. November 2022, you can do it. So, sure. I guess you can still poke. You had to dig, though. Uh, I guess I'm not any... in an ongoing poke war with anyone anymore. Let's fix that. I miss poking. It was nice. You did your daily pokes. That's how you, right. like, you know, told somebody you liked them. But <laughs> Michelle Flu poked me. Oh my god. Here you go. We're starting a poke war in 2023. Shh, geez, Louise. No, stop uh, it. I poked no. you back. Okay, good. Any other notes? I uh, two sorry, two last ones. Um there's this moment where they're talking about Allie McBeal, and Zelda says that that show had an unrealistic tone. And I'm sorry, A to Z, but you are not in you a position. Do. To talk about the tone of Allie McBeal. Can't uh, wait till we get to talk about the Bechdel test. I have so many thoughts on the upcoming episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then my last note is, uh, in the car, Andrew talks about Katy Perry and Carly Rae Jepsen, but that's only after he says that the traffic is so bad, it's like the Lakers are playing the Dodgers. So you know that he's a sports guy. Don't in case you forgot, we got to check in on that. Anyway, that's my thoughts on G is for Geronimo. Very happy to talk about that next one. Yes. Quickly, mine. Uh, great stew line. Why are your hands wet? Because my butt is sweaty. <laughs> Don't think about it. It's bad. So it's fucking bad. Good oh, and bad. That was funny. Um, Lydia being sad that people are nice to her. And then um, she's like, I could vomit. And Howard, give me your shoes. And he's like, I have a bucket. She's like, give me your shoes. <laughs> She specifically huh. wants to vomit his shoes. Hysterical. Yeah. Um, and she like continues to insist upon the shoes. It's really good. <laughs> Christina Kirk yeah. is a gift. Um, that's actually all I have. Yeah. And then oh yeah, I, I, I told you I wrote down the, the jokes I hated. The Pandora Pandora's box, terrible joke. Technically, the why your hands wet joke is bad. And uh after the fracking thing, she pinches Zelda pinches Andrew and he says you pinch like a dude. These are three oh, examples of lines yeah. where I'm like, why did you write that? Why did you even put that God. up? God. And the, and like no one comments on it. He just says he pinched like a dude. She's like, hmm, what? Shut up. <laughs> so stupid. Anyways, can we talk about the second Jeez one now? Louise. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so number two this week was called H is for Hostile Takeover. This episode was written by Ben Queen, Craig Gerard, and Matthew Zinman. It was directed by Henry Chan and aired November 20th, 2014. Magellan, can you tell me what happened in this one? In this episode, Andrew begins to realize his choices are heavily influenced by his friends, specifically Stu and Zelda. With Zelda's encouragement, Andrew confronts Big Bird about his stand on Wallflower's new business strategy, but his plan backfires when Big Bird promotes a young assistant, Jordan. Meanwhile, in an effort to have something all his own, Andrew tries to find a hobby he doesn't share with his friends. Mm. What do you think of H's for a Hostile Takeover? I love Andrew's storyline in this episode, actually. Yeah, me Just too. To, I think it's to, pretty good. To be sincere, I think both of us have dealt with this feeling sometimes. Mm. And it's like, weirdly, something that has recently come up for me in like a big way, like in therapy even, is huh. like, when you're an adult... 
sometimes you realize that a lot of the decisions you've made and a lot of the things, the company that you keep were informed by other people. And especially mm. in the West, we are, we very much value individualism and thinking for yourself, being independent. And we, we stress, we have this anxiety around like, oh God, did I make my own decisions or were these all dictated for me? You know, did I go mm. to college because my parents wanted me to? Did I pick, take this job because it seemed easy? Did I date this person because people told me to? And I think where the episode gets to at the end, like in that wonderful final sequence where Katie Siegel's narrating, and it's about how everybody ref- everybody uh, influences each other, like really yeah. actually hits the nail on the head on like how you, you learn to self-actualize is you understand that it's okay to take advice from your partner and to do things that they recommend for you as long as you also can cultivate your own personality. Um, right. There is a way to, there's a harmonious relationship there. So Stu is wrong here when he's like, no, Andrew, you can't do everything Zelda tells you. But also the show is not saying like, just do everything Zelda tells you to. It's like, there are things that you like that she's not going to tell you to like, and you're just going to find them on your own, but you are allowed to have your own things. Um, right. So I sincerely liked that a lot. Uh, yeah. And I, what I also like is it makes clear that, you know, Stu is not advocating for Andrew to be totally self-directed. Yeah. Stu wants Andrew to like the things that Stu likes. Um, and that's like kind of a fun twist moment where Andrew realizes like, oh, I like Wall Street because he told me to when we were eight or whatever, um, which I think yeah. is a, a a pretty good twist on that otherwise kind of like vaguely misogynistic thing of like, oh, your girlfriend is like making you wear new sweaters and stuff. What the hell? It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. The show, the show crawls towards a progressive viewpoint sometimes and just edges right up to it. And then often, as in the case of the previous episode, like backs off. But yeah. I think they got somewhere with this one. I, I think this is probably my favorite of the three this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, is there a B and C plot in this? Is there a Lydia thing? Even none of my notes have anything about any of that. Um, I don't think so. Oh, well, there's like the yeah, there's the part of the plot where Wallflower is moving away from the matchmaking part of their services, and oh sure. Andrew's against that and he gets demoted and that's like a thing. Jordan. Yeah. There's not really a lot interesting going on there. They don't give the guy who plays Jordan anything to do to where I was like, why are you even a named (laughs) character? You don't get to even be do a joke. He doesn't get to make a funny comment. He's just there to replace Andrew and then get replaced. Yeah. It's like a really half-baked caricature because like the only thing I remember about him is him saying, well, as my friend Steve Jobs would say... Yeah. And who is that? What 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 are you making fun of there? Uh-huh. I guess. Are you doing like a Silicon Valley thing? Yeah. Or something? The show doesn't uh-huh. have the words to describe a tech bro yet. But I right. think that that's also what this guy would be. He would be like a Yes. What listens to Joe Rogan like tech bro. I read all these books. I love Malcolm Gladwell yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Some points against the episode though. Um I like made an audible eh! noise when um, Andrew, Stu, and Zelda are like hanging out eating dinner or something. And first of all, Stu's deeply gay for his friend Andrew, talking about how he's so handsome and I love he loves him, and that just keeps coming up. I'm <laughs> just saying. Mm-hmm. But then the the reason I made the noise was Andrew and Zelda do their like like ding or whatever or the eh! like the failed question, 
because the movie Wall Street, which is tech, is uh, Stu's favorite movie, fails the Bechdel test. And I was like, mm-hmm. we have gone, so, we are so far past the Bechdel test, guys. Uh-huh. Again, I'm not here to say like, why doesn't this show know about what we're going to talk about in the future? It's just a fascinating portrait of like, because you wrote this in your notes, the show makes it seem like it's a woke thing that like Zelda knows about from being like a modern woman and Andrew has never heard of that he got from her. That's the point of this. Right. Uh, whereas nowadays, it's just a thing that's known if, you cr- if you're if you like a media critic or you care about how people talk about media and yeah. y- you understand why it's important and a lot of things pass, a lot of things fail it, but it's just one of like six million ways that we talk about critique media now. It's yeah. a weird, and, weird plot point. Yeah, and to be fair to the show, like I think in 2014... I probably was newly aware of the Bechtel test as someone who was essentially in Andrew's demographic here, if not, you know, 10 years younger uh, uh-huh. than, than his character. Um, so, like, it it reads to me as I would have watched this in 2014 and it it would not have phased me. Yeah. But, you know, in hindsight, looking at it, it's like... Hmm, this is an interesting kind of like artifact of the way that we were talking about gender in media and I don't know, like using the Bechdel test as like kind of a catch-all for those conversations Uh when it's like, like you're saying, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's like a, it's a test. It's not an entire lens. It's not an entire framework of criticism. Exactly. It is, it is a test that you can apply that has quite a bit of value to it, I think, but also uh-huh. it's not a complete toolkit. Uh, so. And the show know, lampshades it's just, it's just it. Interesting. The show lampshades at the very end when Zelda yeah, and, which and is Steffi. A, which is a weird choice. <laughs> like, I, I don't think you can get away with that. Like A to Z is not a show that regularly passes the Bechdel test. No. So, it's weird for them to be like, whoops, I guess we failed it this time. Like, do you ever pass it? I actually don't <laughs> think they ever do. Uh, well, because it's a romance show, so people think that you have to talk about the right. other guy all the time. Right. But you could just have Steffi and Zelda be friends and talk about why they're friends. But no, I don't think that this show usually does pass it. Yeah, uh, especially because Steffi's entire character is defined in terms of her, her relationship to men. Right? Yeah. Like, what's one other thing you know about Steffi? She's British. Right. That's all I got. And, and she's also a lawyer, I guess. I guess. We never see her doing any lawyer work specifically, but sure. I yeah. Believe. But Steffi's entire character is I like hot guys and I want to have sex with them, probably. Yeah. Evidenced by uh, the weird interaction with the ZZ Top Roadie guy. Like, ah! <laughs> so, so Andrew so and, Andrew tries to find a hobby for himself. He's like, all the stuff that I like is not yeah. things that you can turn into a hobby. Totally valid, relatable thing. He's good at parallel parking. Uh, I don't remember what the second one is. And the third one is going upstairs really fast. And he, they're like, you know, that's actually a sport. I love that it's they can't make... Like, in real life, if this happened, this is how they would do it. They do it in a stadium. There's no, like, set or, like, stair-climbing gym that you go to. It's just, like, we go to, like, Gillette Stadium, and we just run up and down the stairs. Uh, And we do it as if it's a marathon. It's kind of a cute concept. 
but Steffi decides to go with him because, and the show briefly acknowledges this. This is what I'm talking about earlier. Episode one, literally the way we were introduced to Steffi was, hi, this is Steffi, Zelda's friend. Her problem is that she takes everything. She likes everything that her partners tell her to like, and she just kind of absorbs their right, personality. Right, right. Almost as if that's exactly what Andrew's dealing with. And it would be great if there was a bit of empathy and like friendship and camaraderie in that and how she's grown out of it. And there almost is. He does talk to her about this. Like, the writers know that that was a thing, but they don't really mm-hmm. handle it, like, maturely or seriously, which almost made me feel like, well, I feel dumb for remembering that. Like, I should have erased yeah. that from my memory because the show didn't care about it. Right. Yeah, that was my one misgiving about this being the Andrew plot is I was sort of like, well, isn't this Steffi's deal? But, like, yeah. this isn't a show where Steffi has plots where she like grows and changes and like investigates things about herself except she did have a plot last week where there was like that farmer guy or whatever and she was like i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to be the person who turns into someone else for other people and like you're saying she could have communicated that lesson to andrew and that would have been pretty cool missed opportunity big time uh, so she goes off with the CZ Top guy because, again, she just likes the guy and decides that she likes CZ Top. But the show does mm-hmm. loop back around and say, like, hey, we all get our tastes from other people. That's how this works. And mm-hmm. as you were talking about, Stu's, um, no, Stu, not Stu, Andrew's plot loops back in with Wallflower in a really cool way. Speaking of not knowing what people's jobs are, like we said last week, or maybe that was two uh-huh. weeks ago, uh-huh. we learned that Andrew, this, like, fucking shitty little nerd, is the assistant director of marketing at Wallflower. Which is like a like a right below C suite position, bud. Like pretty oh, surprisingly really? high. Yeah, because the director of marketing would be the CMO usually. It could generally. Uh so I'm like, Andrew has a higher up position than I thought. Assistant director is like a good job to have. Uh, people who are hiring Weird. please consider hiring me as your assistant director of marketing. <laughs> just saying. I just got a degree in that. So <clears throat> no. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, I thought that was surprising, and that made it so that, like, A, the plot actually gives him some weight, and B, Lydia cares about what he has to say, because he's crafting uh-huh. this email. You mentioned that this felt relatable, that he's crafting an a, like, angry venting uh-huh. email to Big Bird that he, like, wants to delete, <laughs> and Zelda's like, you should actually send that. Um, yeah. Have you had a situation like this before? Um, not necessarily with, like, sending an email or not, but I've definitely had this sort of a conversation of complaining about like frustrations at work and then being told like well you should talk to them about that and then it's sort of like ah i wasn't gonna uh, talk to somebody about it i was just gonna complain about it like <laughs> i can't throw this away stuff. yeah, yeah. It's a good um, point. but that's so bizarre to me that andrew is at that spot in the org chart because the show presents him as like just another guy at the office and he's like treated that way by everybody usually yeah and i don't know his for some reason his character doesn't scream like marketing to me Mm -hmm. i don't know we've never seen him do marketing yeah it's just interesting i'm not sure why they made that choice i think it exists for the sake of the plot like this right like let's make him important yeah um but anyways he has this idea that uh, the hookup stuff is only going to work short term and is not going to be good press because, yes, for dating apps, successful romantic relationships are the best form of advertising. This is like 
generally true for things like Tinder and Bumble is people use them because they hear that they worked for their friends. And then you're like, oh, if it worked for like Joe Schmo from my school, then I should try it because maybe it'll work for me. And then the cycle in theory continues. That's like a really straightforward way of like word of mouth marketing. Uh, she's not sure about this, but she trusts him enough to give him the opportunity for six months to keep running the sort of romance part of Wallflower. And I like this. I actually, you know, I wish Zelda got to do any of this stuff with her law office, but we do get to see Andrew working at a tech company and like making meaningful choices. And that was cool to me, even though I know this isn't going to be followed up on. Yeah. I, this is the first time where I really understood why Andrew is working at this company and how that's relevant to this show. Yes. Because suddenly it, it feels very purposeful that we're setting the show at a matchmaking service in this like transitional moment where it's turning into a dating app and the priorities yeah. are changing. And Andrew's someone who like believes truly genuinely believes in matching people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's seeing this world that he like has a, a genuine devotion to changing around him. Like that, that's pretty compelling. And I think, I would have liked to see that sooner mm -hmm. um, because, you know, here in episode eight or whatever, um, maybe it's just because we know the show is canceled. It feels too little too late, but uh, that really worked for me. Like the, the philosophical stakes of this episode resonated in a way that they haven't been so far. I think I mentioned that this has been something relevant to me lately and uh, one of the things that like I came to the conclusion of was uh, I'm someone who I base a lot of my I have based a lot of my decisions on like approval. I seek approval for things, you know, like I, I, I can make the decision, but I won't commit to it or decide that it's good until someone tells me it's good. That's why I like seek a lot of feedback on things. The mm, problem sure. when you when you seek that feed, this is a different issue than Andrew deals with. The problem when you seek all that feedback is everybody has something to say. You know, Stu has something to say about how Andrew should run his relationship. Zelda has something to say. At the end of the day, Andrew is one who needs to decide what he wants out of this. And the mm. moment that like really actually hit home was at the very end of the, towards the end of the episode, when he's trying to pick out a sweater and he realizes that Zelda picked his sweater style and Stu picked his sweater style and he just can't decide what he likes. Or then when he goes to the coffee stand outside and it holds up the whole line because he's like, I don't know what I like to get because I always get the same thing or I get what people tell me to. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. There we are. There it is. There's the, again, there's the meat, you know? Yeah. Thematic resonance. It, it works sometimes. That's why this is such an interesting failure to me. Chats is all about interesting failures. 13 going on, 13 under 13 is, is like mm -hmm. a, is ripe ground for finding interesting failures like A to Z for sure. certain plot lines really work for me. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Strain notes on this one, though. I kind of hit all the big points. The There was just one gag that I chuckled at out loud, which was um, Andrew's trying to convince Lydia, like, hey, you know, the thing that helps marketing the most is happy couples who yeah. have been matched successfully. And she's like, show me the numbers. And he has them in like a folder. He's like, here are the numbers. And she's like, okay, well, I was saying that to stall you. I didn't expect there to be numbers ready. Uh, I thought that was funny. Yeah. It's, that, that's something that has happened in real life where someone's like, do you have numbers? And you're like, yes, I do. <laughs> Fuck you. Mm -hmm. We'd love to see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote something about like that email that he sends 
or that he yeah plans that he does send that's like hey this app is fucked up i think this is actually something that companies can handle pretty well these days not to like get into my talking marketing mode but like Mm. it actually behooves you to take that like passionate feedback from your workers to heart and at least listen to them and be like hey here's why we can or can't you know put these things into practice and i think that's like a good path forward for like ceos is like if people really feel the need to like bottle up their feelings until it goes into an angry email that they send to you blindly at one in the morning or whatever just maybe listen that's like the bare minimum what you can do and see how that does or doesn't help your bottom line and actually talk about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they know they and especially your assistant director of marketing (laughs) (laughs) right um, also, Wall Street is such a goofy movie for the boys to have as their favorite movie of all time. I know. Like, what? <laughs> uh, we know they yeah. like Back to the Future and Ghostbusters, but now that but that means that they became like college douchey film bros in the 90s, which actually, you know what? Wall Street, that, like it's Wall Street or like Boondock Saints. Like they are actually right in that era uh-huh. where they would have the posters and be like, this is our favorite. We quote it all the time. Yeah. But the gag where we learn that Stu is the one who liked it and he comes up to Andrew's house as a kid in like a full Michael Douglas suit and tie is like mm-hmm. kind of funny. Mm. I grinned. I grinned at it. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, when Zelda's like, man, you're like really intense. Also, it's all in caps. And he's like, well, Stu spilled soy sauce on my computer and now the shift button is stuck. Beat. <laughs> wait a second for laughter. And then he goes, also, I had a hard lemonade. Fantastic. <laughs> it's really really good work yeah pretty good but that's all i got folks yeah pretty bad episode and a good one let's come back after this brief musical break for one more episode this week we're talking about i is for ill communication right after this break Welcome back to Chats, a television podcast, A to Chat Z. The third episode we watched this week of A to Z was entitled, I is for Ill Communication. It was written by Ben Queen and Sono Patel, directed by Alex Hardcastle. It aired on, that's a fucking awesome name, Alex Hardcastle. Uh, Aired December 11th. 2014. In this episode, Alan, what happened? (laughs) If you want to Google and look up Alex Hardcastle, the first picture is of him with Bill Clinton. In this episode, as the holidays approach, Andrew and Zelda seek the help of their friends to find the perfect Christmas gift for one another. Andrew and Steffi come to a decision for Zelda seamlessly, while Zelda and Stu struggle on a gift for Andrew, spending hours shopping at the mall. Meanwhile, back at Wallflower, Big Bird faces a crisis when a longtime customer is set to interview with the local news about her unsuccessful matching experience. John, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? Sorry, I'm looking at pictures of Alex Hardcastle. When he's got a neutral face, he looks like, oh, fuck, that's Alex Hardcastle. But when he's smiling, it's like, hey, guys, it's me, Alex hey Hardcastle. Hey, guys, it's me. I'm <laughs> Alex. Up? Anyway, seems like a fun TV director person. Uh... I think this one, this is my take on this episode, is I think it's a great 
thought about a thing that happens in relationships. I don't know how it fares as like an episode of a sitcom. Mm -hmm. I didn't find it like super engaging, but I was also watching it as the third episode of the day. So maybe that's not the most fair context, but like, you know, I can sort of, well, I, I, I'm of two minds about it because I can sort of understand the plot, but then I'm also like, uh, I don't know. I'm being too vague. Uh, when we talk about the plot, I'll be more specific. But I think there's something here that like works for me as a concept, but as an episode, it falls flat. What about you? I didn't find much to grab onto in this one, um, honestly. My notes are really sparse. I think there are like little moments where I'm like, oh, that was interesting. But overall, this was like the first time that I said, wow, the Andrew and Zelda plot is doing literally nothing for me and does not earn its very saccharine final moment, in my opinion. Um, but I agree, like the whole, what am I going to get my partner for the holidays? I want to impress them, but I also want to show that I care about them and know what they like. Pretty like that's a good plot on paper. I just don't think that it goes anywhere particularly interesting. Yeah, I think to me what uh spoke to me about this one is the the kind of tension of it which is Andrew and Zelda they're two months into their relationship and Andrew kind of spur of the moment they're in this like romantic christmas moment that both of them describe where Michael Bublé is playing and they're in the christmas village or whatever yeah yep. and spur of the moment he's like hey do you want to spend the holidays with me and she says oh my gosh yeah i would love to and then both of them in thinking about it are like actually i don't i don't really want to do that but i don't know how to communicate that without that coming across as like i don't like you or something like that and that felt like a real thing to me of you sort of find yourself in situations where you offer something but then realize actually you don't want to offer it or you accept something, but now you realize you don't want to accept it. But then also the other side of that, when Andrew finds out that Zelda doesn't want to spend the holidays with him either, suddenly he's like, well, well, wait, you don't now want do to spend. Want to. Now I do want, why don't you want it? Huh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I'm stressed about this. Uh, and then for the resolution to be that they decide not to spend the holidays together uh, because they didn't want to, but that's like, okay. I like that. I thought that that was good. I think that they get real silly with it, with the cold play and the spinning camera and the, <laughs> you know, big airport kiss or whatever. But, uh, you know, in terms of the structure of the events of the episode, I think it, it, uh, is relatable and feels grounded and realistic to me. Barring the like way over the top Christmas decoration stuff spin, that's like very TV. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think uh you make a lot of good points there. And I, I didn't understand the ending at first because I thought what I thought was that they both said, uh, we actually do want to spend the holidays together, which like all I was thinking about while the Coldplay was playing and all the camera was spinning was like damn that's like really annoying for your families and also like what are you gonna do about those flight tickets and all like i'm like thinking about mm -hmm. all the logistics because i'm i am a sap but when it doesn't work for me it doesn't work for me so i'm thinking about the logistics and but your version of it makes a lot more sense where they're like i love you 
And that's why I think it's okay that we don't have to spend our holiday together. I right. think that's really sweet. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it comes to a place that that works. Yeah, and I think they sort of arrive at uh, this interesting spot where they obviously are like really into each other. Their relationship's going well, probably for both of them. I think Zelda even says like, "This is the best relationship I've ever been in." Yeah, and sweet. it's hard to balance that with the fact that it's two months into their relationship. Like, yeah, you don't need to. It's just like kind of a coincidence that the holidays are happening that soon in your relationship. You don't need to spend them together, you know? And like, that's kind of a tough spot to be in to feel so strongly and passionately about something and kind of like intentionally tap the brakes a little bit or like let off the gas a little bit because you want to be intentional and you want to like kind of savor things and like build something more slowly um and i like that they that they depict that in this episode mm-hmm. um i think they're not super explicit about that being part of it but i i think that is part of it i like that you make a good point and i think it didn't resonate for me because i haven't really been in a relationship of this sort so i was just like yeah i think it is important i think when we're younger we think oh when i'm finally in a relationship then I can spend my Christmases with them and their family and we can right. like share each other's cult. And that's like, something to be excited about. So I understand why two months in you're like, are we allowed to do this now? Can we already <laughs> jump to that like pretty big thing? And it's like, well, actually, I wouldn't. Like, yeah. Uh it, it wasn't it just in the Halloween episode that uh that like consultant lady was like, one month is enough time that you're still sleeping with other people in theory. So uh-huh. like two months is not uh, exponentially more than that. It's about yeah. twice that much. Right. Um, I just don't have notes on this. Can you just tell me some things that you would like to talk about? And I'll talk about that. <laughs> sure. I would be glad to. So, okay. Let's talk about the... 40% of signups for Wallflower are over the holidays. Yeah. 40%. Let's talk about, let's talk about this Wallflower stuff. That That felt not based in anything, really. And they're sort of thing of like oh you know single parents are gonna get driven by their kids to try to hook up on the app or so it's like a lot of jumping through narrative hoops to explain why wallflower is trying to gear up right now mm-hmm. um what did you think of this whole like hypothetical wallflower power user who just can't seem to get a date or like that whole plot thing so something stinky about it being a woman also mm. but i understand why the optics are weird both ways so it's like you have to make a choice uh for what it's worth dating apps are the busiest day for dating apps out of the entire year do you want to guess when it actually is the busiest month that's in um february close no um <laughs> okay so let me talk through my rationale so if I figured February is a Valentine's Day. Yeah, of course. Um, my two other alternatives are a day that's like kind of uh, either like January, like, oh, it's the beginning of the year type of thing, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, resolutions or like goals or whatever, yep. or something that's like kind of beginning of the spring 
time. Simple and elegantly said, it's January 8th because people are just finishing their holiday break. And they're like, I just spent a lot of time with couples and with family. I would really love to start being on a relationship app. Mm. So Tinder and OkCupid, all of their signups soar on the first Sunday of January. Because, Interesting. Yeah, that's huh. that's when it's called Dating Sunday. Whoa. <laughs> that's yeah, weird. fascinating. Right. Huh. So you learn something every day. Um, I understand what they're saying, like over the holidays, but it's after the holidays okay. is the is the accurate date um, hmm. for dating. Huh. So I think like uh, in terms of the plot, like I think the power user who is talking to the Huffington Post is like a fine plot line. Uh, I think it's really quickly brushed under the rug where like we make this fake profile for Howard so that he dates her. But oh, no, they actually like each other. But just kidding. She's weird. And it doesn't work out between the two of them. And the plot is over. Like, you guys wrote the plot. Why did you want to wrap it up so quickly? You don't want to do anything with that or like make anything (laughs) funny about it. It's like they immediately they were embarrassed that like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. We wrote this like ridiculous Howard plot where he falls in love with a woman. Let's get rid of that right away and put him right back in with um, with Big Bird so we can have this saccharine moment of like, it's time to get back to work, which doesn't land because it's very pro like, I mean, they are staying late on the holidays. There's something like sad about it, actually. Right. right. And I wish they could have just hung out outside of work. It just makes me depressed about how tech culture works. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's also just like the labor person in me you know right right yeah and it it sort of like makes the howard lydia romance too much of a thing um, uh-huh. it's fun when it's subtle yeah and i'm i'm charmed by them having this sort of back and forth but yeah this makes it like explicit and then tries to soften it by saying like oh he's your work husband but for all intents and purposes all of a sudden, Lydia's treating this like a relationship that the two of them have or like a prospective yeah. relationship. She's um, jealous like in a real relationship. Yeah, and it's not even like a metaphor, you know? And I I want to ship Howard and Lydia, but I don't really want the show to ever go there because they're the C-plot characters, you know? And yeah. they're like kind of cartoons. So like, I don't know. Just doesn't quite, yeah. Saccharin's the word. It just doesn't quite land for me there. But and the other, the other end of the plot is they are keeping a bunch of employees in the office until they figure right. out the situation, which right. sucks. And the show doesn't seem to care about Dinesh, Lady Dinesh, Ron Howard, and phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing that's super strange and not funny is when Howard's like. Yeah, you know, she said, when I went over her place, we went to the bedroom and she says, we do things a little differently here. And then I blacked out and woke up and everything smelled like marinara and my watch hadn't moved or whatever. And it's like, am I laughing again? Is this funny? That's Mm -hmm. something like weird and inexplicable and probably pretty terrible happened to Howard. Like, what? (laughs) What's what are what are what's the joke? You know, it's also so. like in the first episode when uh, Lydia's like, where were you, Howard, for like a whole year where we found out that I was a good person? He's like, oh, I was getting my like liver replacement or something, liver surgery. 
Uh-huh. And then she claps back at him. I forgot to mention this. She claps back at him and says, like, if, I, if I'm only nice uh, or if I'm only honest or whatever when I'm drinking, then I should drink all the time. Like, she just said I should drink all the time to somebody who got liver surgery. And the dark <laughs> comedy of that is, like, on the page. And the yeah. show is just like, uh, we got to move right past it. Howard is treated like absolute garbage and still loves her. That's the point. Mm-hmm. I think their, their relationship is very interesting. Yeah, I would watch a show. I would watch a, a webisode. I would watch a series of webisodes about just them, just Howard and Lydia hanging out. Mm. Mm-hmm. More likely, the webisode would be Dinesh and Laura, if I'm being like realistic. <laughs> oh, uh, so it's about like Dinesh and Laura when they were dating. Sorry. Anyways, anyways. Uh-huh. Um, what, what else you got? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I went back on Facebook to poke you again, and uh-huh. there's this under the headline that says. <laughs> Super Super Bowl crowd erupts in applause as Rihanna brings out Richard Kind. <laughs> Finally. Oh, that's really funny. Mm. Oh my gosh. Um I I'll, how does this person that they're talking about spend $14,000 in 3 years on Wallflower? Yeah, like there's only so much premium subscription you can get, dear. You just like keep buying matches or something, or not matches, like swipes. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Know. So just sometimes they like do stuff with the scale of Wallflower that uh, it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stu, there's like Santa stuff. He says he has a jolly body, which I like. I want to start yeah. saying that I have a jolly body. Um, I have a jolly body as well. Uh, I. I don't know. I think I'm out. I think I'm done with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Whole plot about Shelby, um, Andrew's turtle, who he's like worried about they died yeah. suddenly, and then Stu reveals that he killed Shelby. The only funny part of that is when he keeps talking about that, and Andrew goes, can we put a pin in Shelby for a second? And he says, I did, <laughs> but he was unresponsive. <laughs> I I did like the contrast. There was some good like cutting back and forth between character pairing type stuff. Uh, like I liked seeing Andrew and Steffi together, cutting between that and Stu and Zelda, and like their dynamics. And then I liked that uh, for Zelda, she is talking to Steffi, and Steffi's like keeping the lie pretty under wraps and not revealing that Andrew doesn't want to spend the holidays with her. And then Stu, like as soon as Andrew walks in the room, he's like, "Oh my God, Zelda doesn't want to spend the holidays with you." And also, I killed your turtle. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, you just can't contain it, uh, which yep. I thought was entertaining. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm all out. Nothing left in the tank. Nothing oh, Dinesh says tank. someone asked him about if he celebrates Christmas, and he says, "Do I look Christian to you?" <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty decent. Uh-huh. Howard, I haven't been on a date since the two since the aughts. So curious about that element of Howard's life. Yeah, Howard tells the, way way more. Way about more. That. The way he said not a Chili's, I thought that was like an <laughs> yep, Italian yep, yep. word. <laughs> not the Chili's. I didn't hear not a Chili's at yeah. first. I drove by the Applebee's, by the way, recently. The, oh, the, uh, the Applebee's? Chats Applebee's. Yeah. Wow. For folks that don't know, th- for the, I was, four years for, ago, hmm. we did an episode as our epilogue to our Babylon 5 season where we... It basically paid off a running gag from that season of the podcast, and we recorded a full episode in an Applebee's. Uh-huh. And it was the last time that we hung out before COVID happened. Just that too, that know, too, that too. To think Oops. About. Yeah. Oops. That's all I got. I want to tell yeah. you what's going on next week, Majel. 
Next one's a big one. Whoo, boy. You thought we were tired of watching A to Z. Wait until we have to watch four four (laughs) episodes. But then we're done. Then there's literally no more. Yeah. Do you want me to read the summaries or do you have them? I have them here. Can we go back and forth? Yeah. Okay. Next week we're watching Jay is for Jan Vaughn. Zelda and Andrew play matchmakers for Stu and a stenographer. But their love connection maneuvering negatively impacts Steffi. Huh. Sure. Why not? Oh, stenographer, lawyer stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Then we have season one, episode 11. K is for keep out. Andrew and Zelda seek quality alone time together, which stirs up tension between Andrew and Stu. Meanwhile, Big Bird sets out to win a man's attention. Not a man. Next up is L is for likability. When Andrew's father, Pete, unexpectedly shows up to visit, Zelda tries to win his affection after Pete tells Andrew he isn't a fan of her. Elsewhere, Big Bird implements a new cancellation policy at Wallflower, despite not having Dane's approval. Was Dane a character at some point? Oh, no Dane clue. is, yeah. He's the, like, higher-up guy who's, yeah, he's the guy she works uh, with. Okay, okay. Then we finish A to Z with Season 1, Episode 13, M is for Meant to Be. Zelda gets nervous when an ex-girlfriend crashes at Andrew's place and decides to even the score with an ex of her own. Why? Uh, uh, Oh. (laughs) Imagine doing that as a person. I got excited for a second that they were saying that Zelda had an ex-girlfriend and they were finally going to actually responsibly do the bisexual (laughs) plotline. No, just kidding. (laughs) Cowards. Oh, there's some fun casting coming up. Sure. Okay. That makes me kind of happy. Is it his dad? Who's his dad? No, his dad. You want his dad to be someone cool. It's not. Ugh. Um, The finale has a a uh, small cameo. Okay. Uh, anyways, that's what we got. Magellan, tell me where you, people can find you on the internet. You can find me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes, which I do with my friend Justin, where we play video games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise, uh, and we talk about them. We talk about the way that they echo in the zeitgeist, so to speak. Uh, yeah, Super Smash Echoes. And you can also read some of my writing on my newsletter, which is not that Magellan.substack.com. So check me out there. Alan, what about you? I have two main gigs right now. One is um, scanlinemedia.com. Where I'm doing a couple of things for my friends Six Gen and Curie over there. Um, we have a podcast, Six and I, called The Creature Quorum, where we talk about po- monsters from Pokemon and Monster Hunter. We just put out a really great episode about the monsters from Monster Hunter World Iceborne, which was a lot of fun. Um, I just, it's hard to describe why that podcast is good, but I listen back to the episodes and I'm like, man, this is really entertaining. And we're going to resume our discussion of the Pokemon from uh, Scarlet and Violet very soon. Um, you can also find my writing at scanlinemedia.com. I recently put out a ga- um, as part of their gimmick awards for 2022, which is sort of their like top lists of the year, usually for video games. I did my top TV shows of 2022, um, some of which we've covered on Should You Watch. So uh, check that out. Um, you can just go on scanlinemedia.com and scroll down on the blog until you see Alan's top TV shows of 2022. Um, and then my other main gig since we were talking about marketing earlier, is Talking Marketing, where every other month I, um, with the help of my team over at the American Marketing Association in Boston, interview interesting people from the marketing universe about their work, their craft, and what makes them tick. Um, So that can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's what we got, folks. Um, I would like to take it to the plug zone, if that's kosher, Magellan. Please do. 
If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us here, our email is chatspod at gmail.com. We're also at chatspod on Twitter, and we are squatting that domain on other services in case, you know, Twitter continues to burn, which it does. This whole thing about, like, we're going to make bots pay to be bots for a while. Not bot, you know, like, like automated things, like the California DMV bot. They were briefly talking about those services having to pay to use their API, which is baffling business decision, but it is what it is. Um, if you check out YouTube, we have a YouTube channel. It's Chats a Television Podcast. You can subscribe over there. Our community-run subreddit is our Chats Pod. And if you like our show, there's a couple ways you can support us. Apple Podcasts and Spotify are places that you can review the show and subscribe. Um, that really helps the algorithm lean into our favor. If you want more people to join the big TV book club, that is Chats. And if you have the financial means, you can check us out at patreon.com slash chatspod. We're at $1, 3 and $5 a month. We have all sorts of fun bonus content. Um, and if you back us at $5 or more, you get thanked at the end of every main feed episode of the show. And as for today, our members of the Chatsy Watsy Deluxe Comfort Plus tier include Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mother, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. Thanks for supporting Chats, guys. We really appreciate you all. Our email, nope. Our website for all things chats is chatspod.com. Our main podcast art was done by Camilla. She can be found at Camillastrator on all the social media platforms. We like to end the show with a segment called Chatsums, where we each recommend you something or some things to tide you over until the next episode of Chats. That being said, Magellan, what is or are your Chatsums for this week? Oh boy. Okay. Um, where do I begin? So, golly gee. You know, usually I'm here and I'm recommending stuff, right? Things, subscriptions, channels, podcasts, things like that. Uh, I'm going to recommend something extremely radical right now, uh, which is Marxism. That's right. Um, I had a revelation recently that, you know, maybe people out there are already living like this, but um, I've radically changed my relationship with my podcast and YouTube subscriptions, and I'm going to describe it to you as my chatsome. So I recently um, watched a video from this guy, Tiago Forte, who's a productivity guy. He wrote this book, Building Your Second Brain. Um, I actually really recommend his newsletter. So that's that's my chat some, I suppose, is Tiago Forte's newsletter. And he had this video about email where he was talking about how we try to make email do too many things. And what you really need to do is like reduce email back down to this very simple thing, which is it sends information into your inbox And then you figure out where to put that information. Does it turn into a task? Do you put it somewhere where you can reference it later? Do you delete it? Like, what is that? But email is not a storage system solution. And then I was looking around and I'm like, well, you know, I haven't really listened to podcasts in a while. I looked at my podcast catcher and I was like, you know what? I need to treat this like email instead of treating it like this receptacle for all the podcasts that I've ever liked I was using it to try to remember shows that I didn't want to forget. But what I really need to do is just turn it into a delivery system for shows that I want to listen to. And so I made a list of all the podcasts that I was subscribed to so that I could comfort myself and say, look, 
You're never going to forget them. They're over there in this note. And then I unsubscribed from all of them, except for the ones made by us and our friends. Hmm. And now I'm slowly, intentionally building back only the shows that I very enthusiastically want to listen to. And I'm doing the same thing for YouTube. I'm writing down the name of every single YouTube channel that I'm subscribed to. I'm unsubscribing from every single one. And then I'm slowly building back up from a clean slate only the things that I'm very enthusiastically interested in watching every single one of their videos. Um, Because I've just realized there's so much clutter and like my subscription systems are not delivering to me content that I'm excited about. They're delivering a deluge of content that I feel obligated to consider even though I already know that I'm not going to consume it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my chat sum is like that kind of digital intentionality. Digital intentionality, beautifully said. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go through my watch later and start deleting stuff that I, I'm not excited to watch. You should do the hell yeah or no approach. Yeah, yeah. You were John, You were just describing that to me recently with like saying yes or no to projects. You should think about it in terms of like if it's you should only say yes if it's a hell yeah if it's an enthusiastic yes. Otherwise, you should just say no. Even if you may miss out on some opportunities, all the ones that you do, you know, you'll be very excited for yeah. and be able to commit 100% to. I love it. Um, I have a simple chat some this week. Okay. Nintendo had a really fun direct recently. Those are the yeah. short live streams where they announced a bunch of really cool stuff. And it's kind of like, I thought about how watching the direct is like um, almost like gambling or like pulling a gotcha or something where it's like, Come on, please be something good. Please be something good. Mario, let's go. Or like, please be something good. Another JRPG I've never heard of. Uh, So like, that's an interesting way that they produce their content. Um, Uh But at this most recent direct, they announced that their Nintendo Switch online subscription is now including Game Boy Advance games. Mm -hmm. Um, And my two game recommendations from there, very different games. It's not a very big selection so far, but it will expand. Uh Are... Kuru 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 Rin, which is a really bizarre imported Japanese game that did come out in the US. And for me, has been like the most famous game that everybody who used a GBA emulator recognizes. Mm. I don't know why this game was so popular amongst people like me who like had a laptop in the 2010s and wanted to play GBA games on it. <laughs> but it's basically you play as a, it's so hard to describe, very high concept. You play as a rotating baton that's constantly rotating clockwise unless you hit the rotate button and you are navigating levels without touching the walls but you're constantly rotating against your will at a speed that you can't control so Mm. it is like about momentum and speed in a way that's so unique and feels so weird and like in that way that japanese gba games just kind of were for a while uh and it's really cool that it made it all the way into the present day as the like one of the marquee titles for the nintendo switch uh, Mm. online service the other one, much more well-known, um, The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap is a, in my opinion, like kind of underrated Zelda game. Mm, okay. Um, I believe it's the first GBA Zelda game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe, yeah, because like Four Swords Adventures, technically. But uh, Minish Cap is just a fully single-player Zelda game. It's got all of the like charm and simple puzzle design of Link's Awakening, but instead of like Twin Peaks, like depression vibes, like Link's Awakening sometimes has, it's very whimsical. You're turning small and big and using size and momentum in really fun ways. Uh-huh. And it's it's just wonderful. I beat the first dungeon like effortlessly. 
and was like, I'm just so excited to play more of it. So hmm. um, if you have that higher tier of, it, it's kind of sucks that they're like the GBA is more advanced. So we have to put it in the higher tier mm-hmm. subscription. Mm-hmm. But if you have that, or you have your kids that have that, whatever. Check out the Zelda, Legend of Zelda: The Minish Cap. It's pretty fun. Yeah, Zelda wears a fun hat that talks. I mean, Link wears a fun hat that talks. Oh my god. <laughs> Oof. Um. Anyways, that's what we got, folks. But John, I want to say thank you for being you. the Dinesh to my Laura. Uh, because mm. do we love each other? Do we not love each other? It's up for the viewer to decide. The answer might surprise you. And thank you all very much for listening to Chats. Peace.